Hey, and welcome to the Intersection Middlebrook Pikes uh, podcast, where we're finding out where faith and life meets for our congregation, for our community here in Knoxville, um, and to the people around. So hopefully you can find where uh, faith and life meet for you. We call that the Intersection. Uh, Today, we've got with us uh, a a superstar in her own right. Um, (laughs) We have our very own Laurel Wright here with us today. How's it going? I like being called a superstar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I well, love that. I've been researching for this episode, and I saw some of you guys' stuff, your music videos, and apparently streamed to Twitch and all these social media platforms that you guys... It is the most professional thing. Like, it's so good. Like, it's honestly... I Wait, don't know how you're not, like, on the radio all the time. What's the most professional thing? Like... What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, my website or... Well, I, see, I didn't even go to your oh, website. Oh, oh. I'm just talking, like... The fa- okay, first off, how I knew was I typed it in Google and I didn't have to finish Young Fables before oh. it auto You autocomplete. That means you're famous, first off. Oh, yeah. I'm, clearly, yeah. I am Yeah, famous. if you autocomplete and like there's at least three or four <laughs> letters left, you made it. So <laughs> I did not know that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got Laurel here and we're going to talk a little bit about her. Um, for those of you that might be new or have been living under a rock or maybe traditional people, um, you might not know Laurel. She sings for us in the contemporary 11 o'clock service. And as of a couple days ago, she's taken the great honor of being the youngest employee of Middlebrook Pike. She does our social media stuff now. So uh, I no longer have to be the baby. Yeah, Thank you're not you the youngest anymore. Yeah. So. Um, and so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, just kind of uh, like, you know, where'd you come from? Like, uh, you know, where were you born? Where... I learned recently that you have never held a job in your life. So I don't even know what to ask. I I, like, where have you lived? Where have you moved to and from? (laughs) Like, just tell us about yourself. Okay. So I am from Maryville. So not far from here. Um, Notice that she called, she is from Maryville and calls it Maryville. Maryville. Not Merville. No. See, every. That drives me bonkers when people say that. Merville? Yeah. It's the worst. I know, because I'd never said it like that, but I am from there. I had an argument with someone. They said, if you're really from Merville, then you say Merville, not Maryville. I said, no, I really am from Merville. I don't. That's if you're just a huge redneck, you say that. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, the, the rest of my family says Merville. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nice people say that too. Like, yeah. Lovely people. Amazing people. So I moved to Nashville when I was 19, and I've been doing... Um, I guess the Young Fables full time since then. Um, and I just tour and play music and write songs and make records and do all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I've never had a real job really. I mean, I've, I've dabbled, I guess. I, when I first moved to Nashville for like six months, I was a host at this restaurant called The Row and it was actually my first gig that I played. The Row? You said this was in Nashville? Uh huh. Okay. Um, so I was just like a host and, you know, they technically interviewed me, but it was just kind of like, he sat there, he looked at me and he was like, can you start tomorrow? I was like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> One of those, huh? <laughs> yeah. But before I moved to Nashville, I did social media for a, um, real estate agent. It was just like a family friend. Um, and she needed help with that kind of stuff. So I helped her out, but it wasn't like a real job that I had to interview for or apply for. Actually, when I was applying for um, this job, I didn't have a resume because I've never applied, nor have I ever wanted a job besides music and the Young Fables, you know? Sure. And um, so Bruce, he was like, can you just write me a narrative? And I was like, 
I thought that's that, a weird offer. It is a weird <laughs> offer because I told him I was like, you know, I don't really have a resume, and I didn't go to school, like I didn't right. go to college, like none of that. And so he was like, just write me a narrative. And so I, I felt like he felt sorry for me, and he just wanted <laughs> to give me a chance. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, you, you nailed it, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I've done social media for the Fables, and my even before I was with the Fables, and it was just Laurel, right? I've done that forever and I've worked with PR companies and all kinds of different people and that's the only aspect of my career that I haven't handed over to someone else so I'm very Mm. I'm very proud of it and I think that you know I'm okay at it so (laughs) so it's like let's say and I hope god this this god forbid this happens but like the music thing explodes tomorrow is social media like a passion that you would pursue yeah um I always said that I wanted to run social media for other people, like yeah. other brands or companies or just things that I loved and actually, when I started um singing at Middlebrook, I really wanted to do the social media. I was like, I'd probably do it for free. I mean, I'm not gonna say that now because I have jobs ah, gotcha <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I've always wanted to, and I love this church, but um, I never had the opportunity to like pursue something like this because I was always just so busy. But now that I'm not touring, I had the opportunity to spend a little bit more time like exploring what I could and, you know, could not do. What could have been. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I said I would only do this if I was able to, like if I was going to start touring again tomorrow and be super busy like I usually am, could mm-hmm. I still do this? And so right. this job was perfect. So I'm really grateful and I'm excited to learn. So Yeah. So um your music career, um, which how, okay, actually, let me start with this. When did you start playing music? Like at the tender young age of? I was three. My parents three? threw me on a stage by myself. And I, I swear. I know it's super young. Okay. Doing what? Like, were you singing like Mary Had a Little Lamb or no, something? No, Baptist Church. I think I sang like, no. I swear. Like, I'm a promise, I think. You know that song? Probably not. Anyways. Uh, I barely, no. I barely, some kind of kid song. You should make her sing it. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> and then when I was 10, I started playing guitar and that's when I started writing songs. So I've just been okay. doing that ever since. You say when you're six? 10. 10. Yep. Okay. And so what was the first song you ever wrote? What was it called? Um, I can't remember what it was called, but I know that my great papa had passed away and I just remember this like overwhelming f- like feeling cause I'd never experienced someone dying or anything like that right. before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have all these emotions and I have no idea how to like let it out. And I just remember sitting on the couch with my mom and she was like, you want to write a song? And so we wrote a song together and I immediately felt better. And that's just like, you know, I guess the rest is history, yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, and I can tell that your faith, uh, and your music career kind of, they intermingle quite a lot. Yeah, um, for sure. And you, I won't say, I don't listen to a whole lot. I want to confess. I've only heard a few of your songs. I it's love okay. what I've heard, but, um, from what I can tell, um, that there's, uh, there's clearly a lot of depth in storytelling in, in the way you write your music. Um, and so my next question was going to be, how has your music career, affected your faith uh positively or negatively i mean you know you've taught you say your main uh income and and like your main source of busyness all the time in life is music preparing music playing music right doing the social media like doing all the things to make it succeed um so you're kind of immersed in that whole world of music yeah um and and the rest of us we're just looking at it from like we just see like documentaries and stuff about how music <laughs> has ruined people's lives and what like rock stars lives and stuff so in a good or a bad way uh, how has your music affected your faith or vice versa um 
Well, I've always gone to church, and I remember when I was, I think I was maybe a young teenager, or maybe I might have been 12 or something like that, uh-huh. and I was grew up in a Baptist church, and loved my church, and I loved that church family so much, but it was very hard for me to be able to break into the music scene in such a small town, coming from like the Baptist church background, and playing bars, and like, and then coming to church, like playing a bar on a Saturday night, and then coming to church on Sunday and like singing. The judgmental type. Yeah, aspect. and I guess they just didn't understand. But you know, at the time, and still, I mean, I, I do play in bars a lot, but I don't. I mean, that definitely doesn't define me. But that's just where you know I'm at. I play other places besides bars, and you know, but that has that was like my first kind of like wow, like they don't accept me or I'm not accepted or, you know. And so Mm. I guess throughout my career, I, um, you know, I realized that that you, you can do both. You can have both. And, and I really tried to do, um, the songwriting thing. And I'm very passionate about writing about things that I've gone through and experiences that I've had. And a lot of that is faith-based and like I've gone through a lot. And so like I have questioned God and I, do question God and I'm not afraid to write about those things or talk about those things. So I think that that is, you know, one of like Laurel's things, you know? Yeah. And I respect that a whole lot. I think doubt was, if honestly, if, if I had to pick a, a theme, like if I, you know, had to pick a topic, like last week we talked with Tina about hope. If I had to pick something similar to talk about with you, I would probably pick doubt, not necessarily because I assumed you doubted, but yeah. I know you've been through some things. I don't even know what those things are. I just know that it's well known that Laurel is out there about talking about what she's been through. Yeah. And I think people that share their story and are very like, because I think we've all doubted, right? We've all got for sure that roller coaster. Um, and the more out there you are about it, the more you can kind of work through it. Um, but is there like a moment for you where it's like the work, like what was the, the apex of doubt and and kind of questioning uh your faith well Um, first i'll say i think people everyone questions their faith at some point if not multiple times (laughs) and so i just i just think that you know i i was taught growing up that you're not supposed to question your faith you know but Mm. it's like we're human everyone everyone questions their faith you know and so i um in 2018 so two years ago uh, it was January 5th. I was playing a show in Nashville and I got a call that my sister had been in a car accident. So me, I have one sibling, her name's Lindy and she was 19 years old and she ended up passing away from the car accident just a few hours after that. So, you know, I was 22 years old and my sister had died and I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I never, you know, you hear about those kind of stories and situations that other people have been in and you're like, wow, I'm super grateful for my family. Going to go home and hug my family. I'm glad that's not me. And so, you know, you never think that it can happen to you until it happens to you. So that was a really hard time in my life because, you know, I, I felt like I was like, why is this happening to me? Like I should have been a better role model for my sister and all these like different kind of things that you feel when you lose a sibling or anybody that you love. So that was hard for me. And then, you know, I was, I remember it was September um, 11th and I was, I was watching a show at the Opry in Nashville and I was having such a fun night. And that night I literally called my mom and dad and I was like, you know, I finally feel like I'm turning the curve in this depression thing. Cause you know, I was very depressed. I'd never been on antidepressants 
until my sister died, I just couldn't function. You know, it's very hard for me to get up and do right thing like daily normal things. So then, um, my dad ended up dying the September 12th. So I don't know. Then that happened. I'm just like, why? Like, why is my, why do I, why am I 22 years old? I don't have a sister. I don't have a dad. I literally only have my mom. Like, what have I done to deserve this? You know? Mm. And so I think that it's all about perspective. I really tried to, to change mine and, and say, okay, well, what can I do with my story to try to help other people? And I think just simply sharing maybe could help someone, you know? Right. So is that, um, is there something you can point to or is that it, um, that, that helped you move to the next stage? I was about to ask you that question and then you got to the second, I was like, oh no, more. <laughs> Which, yeah. Sorry, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, no, I mean like it's September 11th, you're like, you're turning the corner. I was like, oh, finally. And like, yeah. even as you're telling that story, I'm going on that emotional roller coaster with you because I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I can't imagine how that, that experience would kind of jade your your perspective on um, kind of redeeming those situations. Like how many times does it have to happen and be expected to just be okay afterwards? So is there something you can point to after that, that kind of helped pull you out of the funk, I guess? I'm going to say no, because I feel like I'm I'm always in the funk in some way. I mean, it's been, you know, almost two years and we have a documentary coming out. Like, I don't, it, th- that's another story, but you know, at the end of the documentary, I had this interview and they, and they asked me, um, you know, how did you overcome this? And I'm like, I did not overcome this. You know, I, this is something that I'm going to battle forever. You know, like the PTSD or anxiety of like losing two people so fast and so close together and so sudden and not expecting it. And, mm. but I have, you know, I do have, more better days now than I used to. But I really do think that it was just me kind of like rewiring my brain and trying to like change my perspective on how I looked at the situation instead of asking God, like, why did you do this to me? Now I'm, I'm, it's a struggle, but I try to say, you know, how can I use my story to help someone else? Yeah. It almost feels like we, we have a false, we we set a false expectation for God sometimes. Cause like, I feel like we, not knowing, we don't know we do this, I don't think, but we, we set this expectation that God always redeems, he will like make all the stuff better. Like, I, th- I think we go to surface level sometimes on our preaching and teaching about um, what God will do in your life yeah. uh, if you trust him. And I think if we don't go deep enough in that, people will think that trust God, it'll be the Joel Osteen, you know, trust God, he'll make everything better for you. You'll be rich right. and successful and happy and nothing's going to go wrong. And then when it happens, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like, and a lot of times we'll expect like a miracle turnaround. It's like, just turn to God, just turn to God. Everything will mm-hmm. be fine. It's like, yeah, turn to God. But if you're expecting everything to be fine, like, I mean, you might just be disappointed. It, it has been very, like, that has been super tough for me. And it's been, you know, at first it was hard for me to come to church. And like, I remember after my sister died, I, I mean, I'm a worship leader at this church, like mm-hmm. standing in front of people in my church and the people that you know, know that I love to worship Jesus. Like it was hard for me to do that. I'm like, how could such a loving God let this happen to me? Like, you know, but you're standing up there with your doubts thinking like, I shouldn't be here. Exactly. And I, and that, and I did that for a long time, but you know, being kind of, you know, two years at two years later or whatever, I, you know, I am where I am because of him. And I just didn't realize that he was with me through the whole time until 
much later, mm. you know? Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I do have to deal with things that, you know, most 24 year olds don't typically have to deal with. Yeah. I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but, um, you know, I feel like these are, this is supposed to be the, the best time of my life. Like I'm young. Um, you know, you feel like you've been cheated almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, he has been there the whole time. And one of the things that I say, if, if people ask me like how I overcome, how did I overcome that? And I always say like, God, if it wasn't for him, I would literally, there's no telling where I'd be, you know, yeah. I'm not even in like the best place that I possibly could be right now. And if I didn't have him, it's like, where would I be? Yeah. And so, so instead of kind of focusing on the hopelessness of why didn't God fix this the way I wanted it to, I uh, wanted him to, it's, it's more like he was consistent throughout that. Yeah. I'm super controlling uh, okay. and I like to plan my life and how it's supposed <laughs> to be. And then when it doesn't go my way, I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so is there like a moment with that? And maybe this, that was it for you. And so maybe I'm asking a redundant question. I don't know, but is there a moment that defines you as a person? And that it could be a good thing, bad thing. Was that it? You know, um, what it just decided who you were going to be from that point. Like this is Laurel's identity. That's this a good question and a hard question at the same time. That's why I extended it so much by explaining it. <laughs> yeah. Um, defines me. Wow. Yeah. Just like kind of that moment that makes you think, you know, like for, it doesn't even have to like change where you were just like, mm-hmm. you know, because of this happening, this is who I will be. I don't want to say that like my sister and my father's death defines me, but I do want to say I'm, you know, I am, I am. 24 years old and I lost so much at a young age that I'm grateful, not for the loss, but for the perspective that I have on things now, you know, not, not sweating the small stuff so much, you know, Mm. being appreciative of just, you know, sitting on the back porch with my grandmother or just, you know, hugging my mom and those type things. It's like, I don't know if that answers your question, but those are the things that I'm grateful for from what I've been through. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize, you know, those types of things until later on in their life, you know? And so I'm just glad that, that I have that now. Yeah. Okay. This is, I think it all comes, it seems to be repeatedly coming back to perspective yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which I is funny because I don't feel like I've ever said perspective this much in my entire life. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good to get a good perspective, I guess. Um, so, all right. So to get away from perspective, okay. what, uh, if you could go back in time, like you had to go back in time one th- time and change one thing gun to your head right what would you go back in time and change like you have to you you can't be like oh i love my life i mean um and no. it's got to be something you can control so it, we we cannot say okay your sister your dad obviously we would change that but right i for you if i could go back and change one thing i would definitely change um um the way that i acted towards my sister like i you know my sister was a drug addict. and A lot of people don't know that. That's not the way she died, but that's the way that we thought that she would go, you know? And so mm. I, you know, didn't like actually do those bad things with her, but I definitely was not a, you know, strong older sister and say, Lindy, don't do those things. So, you know, I, I just wish I would have been a better role model and like said things to her to make her maybe take a different path. So that's something that so, I regret, regret and wish I could change. Right. Right. And Okay. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? No, it absolutely okay, okay, does. Okay, okay. I was processing it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a good answer because it's it's hard to explain. It's almost like 
you're, you're talking about regret and things like that. I, I wish know. I could change my actions, I guess. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Go. Yeah. So yeah. How, how you would actually physically interact with the people right. that you can't do that anymore with. Exactly. I see. Okay. Um, so the hallmark question of the podcast, we have to ask it, right? For you, Laurel, where does faith and life meet? Oh. You didn't see that coming? Are you kidding me? I didn't. Oh, my goodness. Um, this is. Can you break the question down for me a little bit more? Yes. For okay. you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, okay, we all we all have um, this idea of faith in our life, right? Um, this is what my faith means. For me, uh, Stephen, my answer could be, I have a very logical faith. Uh, I think for me, because I'm, I'm, I think very logically, step by step, two plus two is, is four kind of stuff. And so for me, my faith is heavily influenced by, does it make sense? Because does God make sense? Does his dying and being resurrected and me being reconciled to God, the Father, that whole theology, does that make sense to me? Like that, to me, that's what is most important more than worship singing, singing, emo- the emotional connection that a lot of people get raising your hands in the air. I don't really show that, right? For mm-hmm. me, um, sermons and logic and learn, like that's where I connect with God. And so for me, my faith uh, is, is kind of logical. And my life it's kind of a loaded question for me because I'm a youth pastor. So faith in life for me is, you know, when I work, but for me, it's being able to use conversation and connection with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just kind of giving you my example answer um, is connection with people on a deeper level than the surface. Um, And so for me, life is best when, we can go deeper than how's it going? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Right. Obviously that's almost, that's 90% of the time when somebody says that it's not true. You can see it on their face. Mm -hmm. That's happened like three times this week. I I see somebody say fine. And I'm like, you're lying to me. Like (laughs) you don't know me, so that's fine, but you're lying to me. Right. And so I think life is best when we can ask those questions and be honest and have a conversation just like this one. I think life is best when, honesty and openness is part of it and so faith in life for me is where we can get down and talk about the concepts of faith openly and honestly and you know i can say this doesn't make sense logically for me and talk it out and and have those types of conversations for me Stephen, faith in life meet when we get to have those conversations so for laurel and for somebody else it might be um when you're on the mission field and you're talking to people and connecting and and doing the work for yeah. them faith and life are kind of intersecting at that spot um i think for me it's probably i hate to talk about like music and everything so much but it's I your mean, life that, you i mean that has that has to be it because i mean yeah. even from such a young age before i was a songwriter you know i was always i was raised up in church and and now it's like i share my story um you know, and my, and my walk with Jesus in my career and in my songwriting and in my music. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that. Okay, perfect. All right. Most serious question <gasps> that I've asked you this entire time. Okay. If there was a sandwich that was named after you, what would it have on it? Okay. It would be <laughs> a... You look very contemplative. I was expecting you to be like, I don't care. <laughs> oh, no. I care because I love sandwiches. Okay. So it would be like whole wheat bread. Yeah. Why? Um, Why whole wheat bread? 
because I really love whole wheat bread. I know people don't like whole wheat and they're like, and why do you like that? That is the worst bread? bread of all time. I love it so much. It's I think okay. it tastes better. I like the texture more. I would rather eat seven green bread <laughs> than whole wheat and that is saying something. That's crazy. All right. Sorry. Go whole ahead. wheat, sharp cheddar cheese. It's my favorite. You like that? Okay. Yeah, that, that, cool. Yep. You, agree, cheese, you agree you, with that? There's no cheese you could have said okay. that I said no to. I don't want to offend you, Stephen. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so easy. I would say prosciutto. Oh, okay. This is a sandwich that I'm making up in my head of all the things I love because no one's ever asked me this question. Mm. Prosciutto, pickles. Is that weird? That's worse. That's so bad. I'm not even listening to the rest of your answer. This and is mayonnaise. And that's it. You disgust <laughs> me. You ruined the cheese. You ruined the cheese with that answer. God, I, I'm I'm glazing past this question for everybody's sake now. All right. All right. Last question. Last question. We're going to end the podcast because we're running a little bit long here. If you had one thing to tell your church right now, you know, obviously we're still, as the re- of the recording of this, we're still in the midst of COVID. Our church is uh, re-shut down after we opened back up and then things started spiking again. So we're not able to meet in person again. Um, so everything's still online. Uh, restaurants are kind of taking second looks at stuff like that. So we're still in the throes of um, social distancing and COVID and things are spiking locally. So during this time where connections difficult, um, what would you tell your church if you if you could tell you you had a voice to tell your church one thing? I would just say hang on and be patient because when you're down in that 10 foot like in ground pool and there's no water in it, and you feel like there's like no way to get out. You know, I feel like God will help you come out of there. You just have to be patient and it's in his time and not ours. So. Have you ever been stuck in a ten foot? In no, but I always no feel water. like I always feel like that emotionally. So I use that. <laughs> I use that a lot. Let's say, has that actually physically happened to anybody here? I don't know. That's a great example. Well, thank you, Laurel, for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, join us next time on the Intersection Podcast, where we're going to find out where faith and life meets for somebody else. See ya. Easy. Yay! Sorry, I talked so much. No, I want you to talk so okay. much. It would be so much worse if you didn't. Honestly. What's your favorite sandwich? Grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs>